0: Listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tell 'em Sports.
1: Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. I know, I know, it's way too early in the week to be hearing my voice and our voices again. It's Isaiah here, joined by Dalton and Connor for our first ever bonus Bonus episode. We are going to start here first with the unfortunate news of Byron Buxton's injury. Just one game after coming back into the lineup after his hamstring injury put him out for most of the season after he was having a MVP, probably prolific season to start the year. Went on the uh, DLIL for hamstring injury. Finally makes his way back and promptly gets hit in the hand and breaks his hand and is now out for the remainder of the season. Uh, You can put a fork in probably the Twins. Definitely put a fork in the Twins. Um, Just a really massive bummer for a guy like Byron Buxton, who we know, we've talked about, he's so important to this lineup, so important to this team. Uh, injuries to the hand can be tough in baseball You don't know how long it's going to linger for him uh, But in a sad way It's it's a lost year for the Twins And maybe it's better that Buxton goes down now As opposed to, say, I don't know September in meaningless baseball So now he has kind of half a season Plus a whole off season to get right And to get prepared for next year But it's such a bummer to see him go down I called it a lost season I think now it's probably nail in the coffin for the year uh, I don't know, Connor, what do you think? He was carrying the team
2: for a little while. And I should say, I mean, carrying them where you might ask, because they still were struggling when he was in the lineup. But still, um, yeah, it's just, it's like an entire overhaul right now. Something we got to start to click somewhere. The law of averages, right? Maybe we hit a hot streak for a little while, go on a little run. Um, we could really use the Oakland Athletics 04, uh, 20 game win streak or whatever. That would be ideal right about now. Um. So if they're taking orders at, uh, at target field, that would be mine. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's tough injuries. Injuries have been popping up, but I will say uh, last thing before I pass it over to Dalton, the young outfielders have been looking good. Larnich, Larnich. What do we got on that name? I, I think it's
0: a ch sound at the end. I think it's Larnich.
1: Larnich. Speaking of Trevor Larnich Dalton, if you guys check out the brand new, Tellum YouTube page. That's Tellem Sports' uh, YouTube channel. Dalton, our very own Dalton, gives a pretty cool breakdown of some of Larnish's at-bats uh, this past week. Check that out for sure. It sucks to see Byron Buxton go out. He's just had so much bad luck. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to be overly optimistic about his standing going forward. Oh, yeah. So, does this season change does his recent injury this year change how you feel about his coming off season and contract negotiation and Lou bless his heart didn't stick to his take but I think he might have been right about Byron Buxton because look at this he's hurt again and he's missed a bunch of games again so as good as he is when he plays he doesn't play enough so do you do you guys think that this is just yet another example of like Man, I wish it would work out for him, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to. Do you cut ties with Byron Buxton, or is he or is his are his flashes good enough? And this year being better than any other, that you're like, we gotta see if we can put together a full season with him.
0: I think that's the million dollar question, and I think you have to ask, what is the front office trying to do? Are they trying to build? a repeatable winning model or are they trying to win a championship because I think if you're trying to win a championship you swing big and you say Buxton's here to stay we're gonna hope we can put it together in a season that matters but on the flip side if you're saying we want to win year in year out be competitive and then one year hopefully we'll hit it we'll hit it right in the playoffs be hot put it together and win a title I don't think you can have Byron Buxton on your roster because you have to have like a legitimate MLB caliber center fielder waiting in the wings to play maybe 80, 100 games a year when Buxton's on the injured list, but no legitimate MLB caliber center fielder is going to say, yeah, I'll sit. Like I'll, I'll be a fourth outfielder because those guys are hard to find. And I I think we see, you know, when the, when Buxton plays the twins record is like, they win like 65% of their games up among the best teams in the league. But when he's out, you know, they're they're not only losing his electric production, they're replacing him with a below average player, usually. I mean, I know Rob Ref Snyder has come in recently and played well, but we've seen guys like Jake Cave, who is not not a starting caliber player. I mean, he's a platoon outfielder, or guys like Max Kepler come in, old noodle arm Kepler that Connor loves playing center field. It it, it just shifts everybody a little bit out of position and makes everyone a little bit uncomfortable. And the ripples just, they they can tank your team. I think the problem is, I, I feel like I'm always like, trade this guy, trade that guy. And eventually it's like, who do you have left to trade? But <laughs> I don't know what kind of trade value you could get for Byron Buxton. He has a year left on his contract where maybe at the deadline or in the off season you could try to trade him. But you look at the other side, and if you didn't have a Byron Buxton, I don't, I don't know, would you be willing to give up very much for... A guy who more than likely is gonna miss more than half the games? I don't know.
2: I think that the twins I think to hold on to him, to be honest. I think but but the question I have is at the end of this contract, now what? Are we reinvesting into him or are we gonna let him walk? Like that letting him walk could be detrimental in terms of if he does figure it out how to stay injured or injury free. Um, I mean, I think I lean into, I think I like the point Dalt you made. I just think they might go for the championship as opposed to winning year in and year out. I think this management team is interested in trying to win the big one. Um, I don't know if they're, I obviously, I think every team wants to be good year in and year out and hope they hit it once, but I think they would be okay with going all in for one year if they can get Terry Ryan or not Terry Ryan. Sorry, if they can get the poll ads to buy into it and contribute towards that with financially. Yeah, right. But I think you keep them. I just would be curious to see how you sign, how you, how you try to resign him. Like, does he think he's needs to be, you know, is it the Daniel Hunter situation? Does he think he needs to be one of the top paid outfielders? If that's the case, there's no way you can resign him, right? If he's injured all the time. So I think that's a huge issue. I think they'll continue to play out his contract here. I don't see him getting traded, but
0: I kind of wonder if there's like a, a haunt factor when you're a GM and you look at a guy and you say, if I don't sign him or this, this kind of goes in any sport of like, if I don't draft this guy, if I don't sign this guy, is it going to haunt me where like, like David Kahn taking Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn right before Steph Curry. And that haunted him that haunts the Timberwolves. You don't want to be the guy with your name attached to that sort of haunting ghost that lingers over the franchise for decades. So it might be one of those things where they'll say we're willing to pay him because if he puts it together, he's an MVP caliber player. And then you're going to be the GM that let Byron Buxton go to the LA Angels or I don't know, some team and win, you know, two MVPs in the next seven years.
1: That's a loser's mentality, isn't it, though? Like that, that I feel like if you're a GM, you can't do that. You can't operate that way. You just I feel like that would work out poorly more often than it benefits you. That's like playing not to lose versus playing to win.
2: Yeah, but don't some a people hate there. losing more than they like winning? Though, isn't is that isn't that the cliche thing? But um, those no. are just
1: bad losers. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think gracious I, in defeat.
2: I think I see I see the points. Um, I do think there's got to be a, a certain factor with that. Like I don't think I would hope it's not like every pick ever or like every signing they're like oh. You know, we draft this guy in the 11th round and we could have got, you know, Scherzer in the 13th or whatever it is, you know, I hope that that's not situation, but I imagine with like first round pick or big signings, you know, like I I would be curious to think about the Lance Lynn thing. Like when we brought in Lance Lynn, then got rid of him. Now he's on the white Sox and he's awesome. Like, I'm sure that's probably a little different because, you know, we brought him in we tried, he was out of shape. He was bad, whatever. We let him go. But I would imagine there's a little piece of that with GMs and managers of just living in a little bit of fear of, like, are we going to let David Ortiz leave the Twins again? Like, is that going to be, you know, Sano or is that going to be Buxton where we lose this generational player potentially? Um, But I, I agree. I also agree a little bit with Ike's point that if you're playing that way, you're playing not to lose. You're not playing to win. And it's it's going to be way harder to have success. If you're always afraid to make the wrong move, you'll probably end up just making less moves and then turn into a franchise like the Twins, where you're just not nearly as fun to watch around deadlines, because it seems like we're either selling or we're bringing in mediocre pieces or comparable pieces. But they're just not like the big names that you'd like to see for a playoff
1: push. Speaking of selling, I really, really hope the Twins can get it figured out by the deadline where they're not full sale or maybe, maybe by some miracle, they're buyers because I don't want to lose Nelson Cruz. He's just been an absolute treat to watch for the two years, three years. How three years. long are we at? He's been an absolute treat to watch for the three years that he's been on this team. I think he has one of the most admirable and teachable approaches at the plate as any MLB hitter that I've ever seen. I think his the way that he commands the box is uh, unparalleled. I think every young player should be watching Nelson Cruz and seeing how he operates in the box and his approach at the plate and his approach as a DH in general, the way that he's so engaged for an entire game. He knows he gets three to four at-bats a day, but it doesn't mean he's only focused for three or four at-bats a day. He's locked in The entire game, I think if you watch his facial expressions, you don't see it. You don't see a change in Nelson Cruz. If it's a, a egregious strike call, a horrible swing and a miss, a pitch that he just missed that he wants, like he is so stoic when he's hitting. It's incredible. And I think that helps him stay even throughout a long season, tough at bats. Like he just is ready to go every single pitch And I think his willingness to go the other way, he shows how much power you can have the other way. And I know Nelson Cruz is a massive guy, but he's looking to drive the ball the other way, which every hitter could be doing. And you look at Nelson Cruz, he's one of the most prolific hitters, power hitters in baseball, and he doesn't get shifted. It's because he has a really solid approach. And I think that somebody, like I personally would be really bummed if we didn't get to watch that anymore because I just, I love watching Nelson Cruz hit. I think he is a model batter i agree i think he's fantastic to watch um
2: i also will say to to piggyback on your point about approach that's like the dream for every coach ever like it doesn't matter what age the the players are you just want kids to have the mental approach that the nelson cruz has because he can go up there and he can take a crappy strike and understand that you know what i can i i still can get my pitch just one pitch does not change this whole at bat and so It is, he is really, he's a technician in the box. It's fun to watch him work. And that would be a bummer, but it does, it does seem like it's trending in that direction. He's the obvious movable piece at the deadline. Um, But it would be, it would be a sad day for, for the Minnesota Twins to lose, to lose Nellie Cruz because he's also a fun personality to have on the team from, from what the social media of the team puts out there, anyways.
1: He's like watching a hitting coach actually hit. Like if yeah. a hitting coach could hit, this is what it looks like. And he sh- he shortens up with two strikes. Like he's not afraid to shorten up with two strikes. He'll take a hit over a strike. Like he doesn't strike out a time. I don't know. I just, I would be very, very bummed. And I, and I like, like you just said, Connor, I think it's coming, but I'm not ready to deal with it yet. I am not ready to cope with that Emotionally not there. Not even close. <laughs> It it just means more at bats for uh, Miguel Sano, who is the exact opposite yeah. as a hitter. Mm-hmm. So, did
0: you guys view Joe Mauer in a similar way when he was hitting? I feel like he was very polarizing, and that some people were like, "Oh, you know, he goes up there, he's so patient, he has a, such a good approach." But then other people would get pissed because he'd take a middle middle fastball for strike one, and wasn't aggressive enough. and Then he'd roll over into a double play on a you know one two count, and it was like, "Swing at the first pitch, dude." I think that's
2: slightly different thing about Cruz is that he's willing to go and get that first pitch, but he, he seems to have the approach where Joe Maurer, it seemed like when Joe walked in the box, he was like, let's get deep in the count. Let's force them to make a mistake deep in the count and then capitalize. Well, sometimes they're not going to make that mistake deep in the count and you're going to end up hitting their pitch where to me, it seems like Cruz is going in the box saying like, I'm getting mine. And if I can't, So be it uh if i miss on my pitch that's okay i'll i'll try to hit theirs but i want to get this pitch and that's the one i'm going to go after which you know i i don't it's not that i'm dogging on joe mauer either i think he had his own approach and i think he was a really good player and i enjoyed watching him but i just like nelson's a better and with the power that nelson has it's it's a it's the right thing for him i think
1: nelson cruz is like he When he steps in in that first pitch, I think he will swing if he has the pitch he's looking for. And I think that pitch he's looking for is a little broader. So he if he steps in, he's like, all right, I think it's going to be a fastball outer half. He'll swing if it's there. I think Maurer, when he stepped in more often than that, was like, I'm just going to take this first pitch unless it's this specific pitch in the most specific spot. And I think there's a difference to that. And I think me personally, I more... I'm more like Cruz. The way that I would like to hit is like if you see the thing that you like, the count is irrelevant. If you get the pitch that you like, you should swing at that every single time. Um, So personally, that's why I like watching him hit more because I think he's more inclined to swing when he sees the pitch that he likes. Like he's up there to hit, but he's still going to be patient and he's still going to have a good approach. It doesn't mean he's swing. He's not. Uh, Delman Young. He's not swinging at every single first pitch. He's up there with a plan, I think. And you can really see that he has a plan. And I think that's why I like watching him hit so much. Where Maurer had a plan, but it was a different plan. His plan was, like Connor said, I'm going to watch the first few. I'm going to get to a spot that that he was comfortable hitting. He was really comfortable hitting with two strikes. Um, And they also had different things that they were trying to do with the baseball. Maurer was never obsessed with hitting home runs and driving the ball into the gap he was like i'm just gonna hit like i'm gonna i'll take whatever i can get in a late count where nelson cruz he's looking to do damage more often than not too
0: so here's a follow-on question approach aside who is the better hitter for their entire career i know mauer people soured on him for the last one or two years but he was a career 306 hitter playing at playing catcher for most of his career which is a notoriously hard position to hit while playing because you're spending so much time with pitchers and you know getting dinged up taking foul tips off the mask and off the wrists and who do you guys think was the better hitter
1: that is a that's a good question I think that's tough um but I think I'm gonna go Nelson Cruz same I think he just he was really consistent year in year out after his first all-star year uh in 2009 he basically was just one of the best hitters in baseball from 2009 to present I would say um he hit career he's like 280 average uh he's gonna probably end up with over 2,000 hits uh in 17 years and hopefully 500 home runs, he's still got a lot of meat left on that bone. If not still a, a pretty impressive, uh, power display from him. So I think his, his ability to keep a relatively high average, get a lot of hits and have a ton of power, uh, for me is why I think he's probably a better hitter than, than Mauer was. Yeah, I think I
2: agree. And I think the longevity of success is, is the biggest thing for me, You know, from, like you said, Isaiah, 2009 was his first all-star season. And after that, he never had under 20 home runs until 2020 shortened season, um, in which he was on pace for about 40. So I don't know, it it seems like, obviously they're both great hitters, but I would lean Nelson Cruz as well. The ability to keep the average up, um, getting on base at a pretty good clip, and then also driving the ball in the gaps and out of the park, uh, it's just tough to match.
1: And I look at it like, who would you want in your lineup more? And I think you benefit more from having a guy like Nelson Cruz in the middle of your lineup than you do Joe Maurer hitting two. Just because of those power numbers and the ability to kind of strike fear into a pitcher. Like he, Nelson Cruz is a game changer. And I think Joe Maurer had one or two seasons like that where he was an absolute game changer. But uh, I think overall... I would, I, I, as an imposing team would be more scared of Nelson Cruz.
0: It's tricky because they'd sort of played in two different eras. I know that's weird to say, but, but like now you look imagine. at his career stats and for most of his prime, his walk rate was higher than his strikeout rate in terms of like, he was walking in like 10 to 13% of his at-bats and striking out in like nine to 10% of his at-bats. And Cruz is like an eight percent walk rate 22 percent strikeout rate so like they're very different players but the last like five or six years where like Maurer was at the very very tail end of his career it's become like launch angles exit velocity power where Maurer came up in the twins regime where it was go the other way hit it where it's pitched like more like line like low line drive lower launch angles type of hitting which makes it tough to to compare I think I would agree with you guys that Overall, Nelson Cruz is better, but I think if you looked at their peaks, I think Maurer might have had a higher peak. His like two or three year stretch where he was Silver Slugger MVP, where he was hitting like, what did he hit? 28 bombs while hitting 365. Like, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, that was just 2009. Like, you're just saying the best season they had. Mauer's best season is better because I I would say that the stretch isn't as impressive as that one season because the year before he hit nine bombs hit 328, the year after he hit nine bombs hit 327.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think so. It's
1: not as prolific of a stretch as it as it seems because that one year 2009 was so impressive, but Nelson Cruz in 14, 15, 16, 40 bombs, 44, 43. 270, 302, 287. I would say that's a more impressive stretch. And 39 on the tail end of that, and 119 RBIs. I just think he was an underrated hitter, maybe. Maybe because he wasn't in Minnesota either. Sorry, finish your point, Dalton. No, no, that's...
0: My point was made. I think those are good points. Kind of an interesting comparison, because they're... (laughs) two very different yeah. hitters but it's very different i mean they they're both doing the same thing so it's kind of fun to compare what do you think mauer would be like if he came up today do you think he would have been the same kind of like highly touted prospect because he's they never projected him you know he was like a upper teens projected home runs like maybe 15 they thought he could tap into that but yeah i mean like you're saying isaiah he only had one year where he hit more than 13 home runs I don't know. I, I feel like all of the top prospects now are like, the, the average doesn't matter as much anymore. It's can you hit the ball out of the ballpark? And I wonder if maybe Maurer would have been able to change his approach just because he was such a gifted hitter. But I don't know. This We're speaking in yeah. hypotheticals, so maybe it I doesn't
2: really matter. But I think that for me, it goes back to Isaiah's point a little bit about Maurer doesn't scare me like Nelson Cruz does. And I think it's on the generational piece of we've talked about this before, but pitchers right now in the MLB don't care if they give up a single or a double because they're like, we are going to strike the next two guys out. And that's one of the big weaknesses in Maurer's, not weakness, but it's just not something he's prolific at leaving the yard like Nelson Cruz was. Um, And not to go back on that too much, but they're just different in that way where Maurer's not scaring you because he's going to leave the yard. He, his is like, oh, this guy's on base three times out of, you know, out of, five at-bats today. It's just a pain to have to go from the stretch and have him out there and blah, blah, blah. But I think for as a prospect, I w- would bet he would not have been nearly as highly touted as a as a, someone who doesn't hit the ball out of the yard. Um, defensively, I guess that's a bit of a question mark. I feel like he was a good defensive catcher.
0: Yeah, he won multiple gold gloves.
2: Yeah. I don't know that for, for fact or anything that they were like, oh yeah, we got to get this defensive catcher at number one or we're going to this this franchise is going under um, I just I bet he would have probably been a late first round maybe second round pick instead of being like number one overall
1: and I wonder if like the advent of power pitchers and like power bullpens had an impact on the way that like Joe Maurer hits like does that approach not work as well versus tons of power arms because he, he did have like kind of a drop off in his career and maybe more injury related but is the approach of hitting the ball out of the bar- ballpark better versus power arms because you're just playing probabilities of like how many times are we going to square this 102 up and if you square it up you want it to go out of the park versus if you square it up you want it to be a single like is is that a better I guess that's the whole like stat cast era is that's that's the game that everybody's playing but
0: it would have been interesting to get Maurer in better lineups too. like during a good, like the latter half of his prime, the twins were winning like 62 games a year. So it it skews maybe some of his like old school RBI run numbers like that, just because he didn't have good hitters around him. But
1: yeah, but they did. It's interesting that they, I mean, they basically played in the exact same era. I know you said they're in different eras, but they played in the same Nelson Cruz came up in 2005. Maurer came up in 2004. So their careers basically completely overlapped. Um,
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess I I was looking more at, like, the peaks because Cruz was more of, like, a later peaker where Maurer had, like, fallen off by that point, which is weird because, like, I guess, yeah, yeah. you're right. They did sort of have the same, like, career beginning and years, but it felt like they played in different areas. And maybe that was just because the Twins were playing, like, 1980s-style baseball in the (laughs) mid-2000s. But, well,
2: and it seems like too like, once joe mauer retired like the inclination of hitting home runs just like is steep right like the priority to hit the ball of the park just keeps going up at like a, an amazing clip and nelson's still there for it and does it well where joe mauer when he ended obviously home runs were becoming a huge part of the game and 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 less so in minnesota than other places but but for us as minnesota fans it was like oh he's still hitting the ball like he's still getting on base still doing those sort of things and once he retired, then what, three, two, two, three years later, it's like, now we're hitting bombs. That's all we yeah. want to do.
1: And it's like from, so it, from our, it's where was he playing at the end of his career too? like his approach is fine when you're a catcher, but when you're now in a power position, either first base or DH and you're not producing at a, like power numbers, you it's harder to keep that guy in like a lineup to just get on base. It's, it's fine when you're a catcher. Cause yeah. like you said, Dalton's a really hard position to hit from historically, that's why it's so impressive, like what Yachty has done for his whole career. But if you say now, OK, now you are a first baseman or a DH, you want a guy more like Nelson Cruz. What a tangent.
0: Yeah, that's way incredible. off the deep end. <laughs> Who knew he'd be spending half hour talking to Joe Maurer today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nami. Alrighty, That'll do it for the inaugural mini market podcast bonus episode. Stay tuned in the future for more of these. Uh, we are looking forward to putting more out uh, and always check us out uh, at our website. It's tell them sports, T L L E M sports.com. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.